This week on Auto Catch Up, we're talking about the instant asset tax write off that's been extended. Tesla now being one of the most valuable automotive brands in the world, and a return of Australian manufacturing. More coming up soon. All right, so it's episode 13, and you're back with me. Ashley and um, no Joel or Mick this week. Uh, just a bit of scheduling uh, means you're going to be stuck with me just for a quick recap of this week's news. Um, but this week uh, I've had a pretty fun time. I've been uh, picked up on Friday the Toyota Supra GR and um, I've been having an absolute blast. Um, so I took it on a bit of a road trip with uh, the Queensland driving restrictions or you know travel restrictions now being um, lifted and eventually will be lifted um, to all states in on July 10th. But used it as a bit of an opportunity and also to do a cover article um, for Velashita magazine. But looking at, you know, obviously with the lack of overseas travel at the moment, um, the the return of road trips and, 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 um, you know, visiting local places, rural towns and everything like that is obviously going to make quite a quite a return unlike we've seen before you know there's no cruise ships there's no no overseas holidays and so i think a lot of people looking to get an escape are going to be you know jumping in the car and and you know exploring their their local backyard again so uh took the took the car out from brisbane down to uh down to warwick and um through you know through queen mary falls and and some great roads out there and then on day two we shot all the way through um up Past, uh, you know, through Toowoomba and um, out through some of the towns out there, some wonderful, un, you know, sort of hidden gems of, of back roads. We took the, the sprint road, sprint uh, route, uh, route 12, and um, on the way out of Warwick, and it was. Uh, it was great. It was absolutely the car performed fantastically. Um, you know, really, uh, it really kind of gives it, makes it a, you know. I think it does a big disservice to a lot of the people who worked on the on the on the car that really said, "Look, it's just a, a BMW underneath," and because you know, with that joint uh, development of the the Z4 and the Supra at the same time, yes, it, it has a BMW engine. The interior is previous generation uh, BMW, so there's a lot of things out from with the part with exception to the outside skin that's going to you know, make you feel like it's it's a BMW. However, once that core development was done, that's where the development forked and that's where Toyota really took over and honed in the the driving characteristics of the Supra and it really, really shows that the tune on the gearbox is fantastic. The um the two hundred and fifty kilowatts which in the next year's model will be up to, I think it should be about 285 kilowatts. Um, but at the moment with the 250 kilowatts out of that inline six um, in the twin scroll turbo, giving 500 new meters of torque. Um, wow. It, it, I think for a good touring sports car, it does a fantastic job. Um, the gears are always exactly at the right point when you want to put your foot down. Um, fuel economy even is, for for how we drove it, absolutely blew me away. So 
after over a thousand kilometers of driving, you know, back roads, really enjoying the mountains, moving through the gears, enjoying some good speed, um, you know, in a responsible manner. But so we saw about a 12.1 liters per 100, which with everything considered, I think is a pretty respectable fuel economy figure for um, driving a sports car like that. Um, it did mean that we had to plan out our um, our fuel stop so because we'd only had a 51 litre tank and so obviously that fuel range never really lasted as long as you really wanted to but thankfully out there there's, um, there's plenty of uh, petrol stations which have plenty of uh, 98 um, premium options but also surprisingly un- unlike a lot of BMWs uh, if you need to put E10 or 91 um, there's nothing stopping you from putting that fuel into the car and, and um, obviously you're going to be you, the tune is going to react to that um, I, they don't release anything specific but um, typically if you're using different grades of fuel um, particularly in a performance car it's going to reduce the power and change how it works obviously because of you know the, the not the quality of the fuel, but the um, how that fuel is made up, and obviously the the wrong number being ninety eight, ninety one, it's going to help determine that performance. Um, and we can talk about how that all works in another in another um, podcast when we've got everybody on there. But it did a great job. Plenty of uh, storage space as well in the boot. It's actually surprisingly practical. We, we managed to fit three overnight bags, um, a small esky and um, a few other bits and pieces for cameras and everything like that with no dramas and um, leaving plenty of space for um, the you know the driver and the passenger. So that was also great. But it was quite funny driving it everywhere because every time we'd stop, somebody would want to pull out a camera or somebody would want to come up and talk to us about the car. Um, it seems to be the awareness around this vehicle is... Um, is, is huge. A lot of people, even out in rural towns, people um, would yell out from their cars or jump up from, you know, from the seat sitting down um, at a restaurant that jump up and to have a look at the car. And, um, you know, it, it's absolutely justified. It's a great looking car. Um, and uh, it was very good that they were able to, you know, bring a lot of the design elements from the concept car, which got a lot of people excited um, quite a few years ago now with the FT1, which is really their first sort of exercise in exploring the concept of, you know, bringing back a sports car like that. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's great. I'd love to, to share more with you um, when the uh, magazine comes out next month um, and we can you know we'll also talk about it uh, next week uh, as I'm sure the guys will want to have a chat about it as well but um, but yeah great car absolutely lives up to um, I guess to the to the reputation that's building fantastic driver's car and um, yeah it's if you if you're wanting to spend about a hundred thousand dollars, um, it's it's a pretty compelling offer. Obviously, you've got things like the uh, for a little bit more, you've got the BMW M2, um, the M2 uh, competition. That's probably the closest competitor, um, ignoring the Z4 because I think that's just a totally different type of vehicle who it's you know who it's focusing on. Um, but yeah, M2 is probably the closest thing that I would think of, um, and uh, from a you know, it'll be interesting to see what Nissan do 
in terms of the 400Z rumors um, of them wanting to revive that and seeing, well, where does it sit in terms of pricing and performance? Um, because with the Supra being at roughly about 100 to 105,000, depending on what options and, and what trim level you go for, because there's two different trim levels, um, obviously that's going to influence um, those decisions. But really, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to drive it more goes back on friday so i'm going to be definitely maximizing our time in that but let's uh let's jump into some of the news because some really interesting things have happened uh this week so the biggest one is obviously the instant asset tax write-off um so if you if you haven't been keeping up with that so um what was brought in um by the federal government um, was the extension of the instant asset tax write-off scheme, um, and the extension of you know of the value up to one hundred fifty thousand was scheduled to end on June thirty, so the end of the financial year. However, um, the government has now extended that until December thirty-one, and. So what this means for businesses is that so business will be able to purchase a commercial vehicle up to one hundred and fifty thousand. However, there is an arbitrary limit of fifty-seven thousand five hundred and eighty-one dollars. Who knows how they came up with that number? Um, but that's placed on passenger cars, and um, so essentially, Josh Frydenberg, the federal treasurer, says that it's to support business sticking with investment that had that, that oh, they had planned and to and to encourage them to bring investment forward. Um, so look, if you're a, a tradie, if you're a, um, if you own a, a construction business or delivery business or something like that, that's this is probably um, a great time uh, to look at and explore and to talk to your accountant. Um, however, the... The Australian Automotive Dealer Association obviously is um, wanting to push. You know, they're obviously happy about that extension. It's great for the for the car market. We spoke about the the car sales last week. Um, but the um, they're wanting to get that that passenger cars capped lifted from that fifty seven thousand, and it's it's pretty fair. I'm sure a lot of um, dealers and everything like that are going to be you know wanting that as well because not every business is a, a, a tradesperson, isn't a, a delivery business or a removable company or anything like that, and yet they need vehicles as well, and and it's something that. Perhaps, you know, if, if you're doing um, ride sharing or anything like that, if you, if you meet the criteria, you know, why should you be limited by that cap when any other asset that you buy um, isn't arbitrary limited to that $57,000? So I think that's a, that's a fair argument. Um, and, you know, there's... And, that, and that's exactly what the... The dealer association CEO said is that we just seen, and this is his quote: "We just see there is no rationale for it. There's no limit on other products. So we're in a situation where an eligible business can buy a boat for the full amount, but not necessarily a car." And I think that's you know that's completely um, completely fair, and um, you know it, it's I guess it's there's no more really more <laughs> needed to be said um, that. I think it probably makes sense uh, that that arbitrary limit should be limited, uh, should be lifted. Um, but it's also it's great to see that um, brands like Ram and other um, companies that probably would not have seen that the sales surge which they have recently, um, they've really benefited from it. And um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that limit was removed if 
um, there'd be any other types of vehicles, even electric vehicles, that um, because they they tend to not be as um, as cheap as their you know their, their combustion equivalent. So it'd be interesting to see if if vehicles like that would benefit from it. And I think um, you know on the surface anyway that that it'd probably be the the right level of encouragement for those businesses to make that transition um, if it suits their needs. So that's uh, so that's an interesting um, development positive, but you know, there's still ways that it could be, could be better. Next up in the news, Tesla over the weekend uh, managed to crack the thousand dollar mark uh, for its share price, thus making it more valuable than, than Toyota um, at three hundred. $308 billion. Yes, it's a lot of money to, to try and spit out. And um, thus sort of, you know, beating uh, BMW, Mercedes and Volkswagen all combined. Yet even though they've only delivered about 367,000 cars versus um, Volkswagen's 10.8 million last year alone. So it's um, it's obviously shows that there's a lot of um, optimism not only within the U.S. stock market of which it trades in, but also in Tesla, the brand itself. Um, despite a lot of um, you know controversy that's surrounding it around uh, Elon Musk wanting to keep the factories um, still open and then threatening to move them and everything and more workers contracting COVID-19 from reports and um, but what and it, it saw that its stock price saw a low point for the year during that time um, but then it really rallied in a big way since that low point um, but simply because A, that stock market is recovering again much to you know past the expectation of what many thought, um, but also because there's a lot of news coming out of Tesla, one with a big uptick in uh, new car sales in China, um, Elon Musk teasing that the Tesla Semi, t- t- sorry, Tesla Semi, their semi-truck, um, will finally go into production, and then they're, they're teased upcoming battery breakthrough, um, as well as also the success of the SpaceX um uh, Dragon capsule um, success, which it's not technically connected, with exception to to Elon Musk um, and his ownership. But the, it seems to be that the performance can you know can influence that sometimes. Um, and so the who knows if the the share price is actually justified. That's that's. That's one thing which investors will will decide, and and ultimately, um, it's only worth that because that's what investors think. Um, but it's also you, you can't ignore. Um, yes, they've been producing good cars. They've been you know they have been greatly improving them. Um, updates that are coming are also improving that that customer experience as well for for ownership, um, but also the you know the the ability for Elon to really focus. Um, Tesla, you know, investors and potential investors, their attention away from you know any short-term turbulence and, and really focusing on the long-term goals of the company. Um, so, yeah, it's 
it's kind of exciting. It's it's great for for EV, um, you know, electric vehicles in general to show that you know there is such a belief and um, you know excitement around these vehicles, and not just the Tesla vehicles, but I guess what they mean as a symbol for the rest of the electric vehicle market, and obviously the um, the the you know internal combustion engines as well, um, but. You know, it's uh, be interesting to see if that survives, if it makes that sustain, you know, if its ability to sustain that share price, or if we'll see a little bit of a normalization as the world, you know, as things are still quite uncertain. Obviously, there's there's a lot of stuff going on all in America, um, and uh, thoughts of a of a second wave of coronavirus as well, as well as you know everything else that's going on in the world. Um, outside of America, so it's just one of those things. We'll we'll keep an eye on it, and um, it'd be interesting, yeah, just to see how that stock price. I'm sure it's going to be up and down um, for the rest of the year as well. But as things like you know, as their semi truck, and um, as you know, if the the battery technology breakthroughs and everything happen, obviously that's going to to mean a lot in 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 real terms. For the company, and not just in uh, you know running in, in hypotheticals and, and and just goals, but actually the realization of that, which you know is going to you know, mean a lot in terms of the bottom line as well, and, and and focusing on turning a profit. So yeah, that's uh big news, but let's uh let's keep moving on. Um, so next up, we're going to touch on just quickly. So we've been talking about the twenty twenty one Nissan X Trail. And um, some, I guess you could probably say, a much-needed refresh for the X-Trail, whilst the X-Trail itself currently is, um, isn't is a bad car at all. Um, there are certainly a few things that, that could do with some touching up and... Um, you know, particularly with that that interior, um, would be very much welcomed and bring it in line with a lot of other vehicles within its market. Um, but so current current rumors are that we're going to be um, seeing the United States version, the Rogue, unveiled on an online event um, on June 15 in the US. Um, and so they're going to be. It's it's not going to be exactly what we're going to see here in Australia, but it's going to be very very similar. Um, and obviously, left hand drive versus right hand drive, um, but it's going to give us a, a more of a, a, a f- more certain look as to what's coming. Um, this talk of new engines, at least for the Europe and the States, um, 140 kilowatts, two two and a half liter four cylinder petrol engine. Um, and uh, yeah, so that it's expected that the new Rogue will probably hit the shelves, um, or I should say, <laughs> dealership floors, um, for the third quarter of this year in the United States, and then we'll probably see it come here early 2021 or so. So keep your eyes peeled on that. I think it's going to be a good-looking SUV and a very much um, very welcomed update to to the X Trail. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. But let's move on to some exciting news now with a company called H2X. And they're building a brand new SUV called the Snowy. And why is this exciting, do you ask? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to be hydrogen powered. And two, it's planned to be built here in New South Wales. Um, and yeah, 
an Aussie company building a hydrogen-powered card. Um, just recently, they released a full picture set, um, and I've got to say, it's a pretty futuristic-looking SUV that kind of, from the front, it looks a little bit like a Volvo. Towards the back, it looks a little bit like an Audi Q2. And in the middle, it probably looks like, I would argue, a little bit like um, a stretched Toyota CHR. Um, that's what I would probably make it, you know, that's what I would think it looks like. But overall, it actually kind of works. It, it looks pretty good. Um, but in terms of the talent pool, and this is probably the thing that's really, you know, touting it up is um, the the people that are being able to bring in. So first one is Chris Wright, a former Alfa Romeo design director, um, as well as, you know, uh, Alan Marta, who's a former Toyota executive, Peter Zinau, who's formerly of Saab and Chevy, Ian Thompson from Tesla, Kevin McCann from Hyundai Australia and Volvo, and um, companies led by former Volkswagen and BMW executive Brendan Norman. Um, so it's got, it seems like anyway, it's got a lot of people from a lot of big companies. Um, doesn't always mean that it's going to work, but it seems promising. And um, obviously, it, it sets the company up for its best possible start, which I guess is all you could really, really ask for. Um, so obviously, it's not the first SUV to be built in Australia. That, that award goes to the Ford Territory. Um, and you know, is argued by many as one of the best locally built cars. Um, but yeah, it's a <laughs> it's certainly an exciting car to to be seen. Um, and its potential, what they're saying, it could be on Australian streets as early as 2022. Um, so the Snowy H2X hopes to be ahead of its time with brand conceding that broader hydrogen infrastructure will need to be in place for a proper launch rollout of the SUV, um, which is equipped with the 60 kilowatt fuel cell and overall power outputs of 190 kilowatts, which is, in a car like that, certainly nothing to sneeze at. Um, so it's fine. So the company itself is finalizing plans for two unspecified heavy vehicles as well, thought to be trucks focused on interstate routes with power outputs of up to 550 kilowatts and says it could be producing as many as 25,000 vehicles a year by 2025. Um, we have two distinct platforms in the final stages of development and we'll be releasing details shortly, um, says Mr. Norman. Uh, we'll be running. Sh- we'll be showing prototypes of the first model in November. Beta versions will be available by trailing for trailing customers, uh, for trialing by customers, I should say, um, in April, and want to producing volume by July next year. So certainly lofty plans as well, um, but it's certainly going to be exciting, and um, it will remain to see to be seeing if the company itself is going to be pushing for the hydrogen network itself, kind of like Tesla's gone out and built and and built out its own supercharging network to support its vehicles and obviously to to remove that that idea of range anxiety Uh, or if they'll be, you know, relying on on governmental uh, support or even, you know, from traditional... uh, petrol companies such as Shell, Caltex, you know, those sort of those brands on uh, making hydrogen refueling um, available at their stations. Now, we've they've got 
similar types of infrastructure over in Europe in certain parts where some hydrogen models are for sale. And um, yeah, so it will be remain to be seen if, uh, if how quickly and, and how widespread we'll see that. But certainly, it's uh, it's great to be um, you know talking about the the prospect of a of a return to local manufacturing and um, not just producing any type of vehicle, but um, something that is uh, as forward thinking as hydrogen, kind of like electric. Um, you know. It's, it's it's nice to, to have a locally made vehicle, but one to be looking forward is uh, even better. But no no set um, price or anything like that. So stay tuned on that one. But moving on to another exciting prospect is um, the zero emissions vehicle specialist Nikola. Um, don't confuse it with Tesla. Um, even though they share uh, very similar themed names um, has confirmed that Australia will be the first market outside of the US to get its full-size electric pickup um, called the Badger and um, it's set to rival you know things like the Tesla Cybertruck or even the Rivian R1T and um, in the US anyway it will be available with an all-electric and hydrogen fuel cell powertrains um, but as we sort of just said about the previous bit of news that the lack of hydrogen refueling at the moment probably puts the um, the hydrogen model in doubt for now um, but the Australian launch is expected to take place around 2022 at the earliest um, with reservations for the Badger over in the US opening up on June 29 um, Details so far about this very futuristic yet more realistic looking compared to this to the Cybertruck um, is expected to travel about 433 Ks between charges thanks to its 160 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery um, while the hydrogen cell is expected to have about 965 kilometers of range um, and Yes, that's quite significantly more, um, particularly if you're doing long trips. But uh, the flagship variants will have at least two electric motors to enable all-wheel drive with peak power set at 676 kilowatts and maximum torque checking at 1,329 newton meters. So, um, yeah, it's uh, A, going to be quick, but I also expect... um, those sort of numbers will mean they'd be able to tow quite a nice amount of cargo as well. Um, but in terms of performance, uh, 0 to 60 miles per hour, 97 Ks is 2.9. So you're looking at about 3, 3.1 um, for 0 to 100 kilometers an hour. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a big truck. It's about the similar size of F-150 if you've seen one of those around. Um, and it's maximum towing capacity is probably going to be about 3.6 ton um so it's great if you're going to be towing a, a caravan around and um using the recharging stops as a, as a chance to have a coffee and uh and a biscuit whilst you wait um but pricing um hasn't been set for the us but it's roughly translated at the moment is about eighty six thousand or one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for the two different variants um so it's not going to be cheap but 
if it keeps within that range, it's going to be about the same as what we see for other big American pickups here in the states at the moment. So, if it hit, if it if it manages to hit that price point, um, I think uh, the likes of Ram and um, and the Silverado are really going to you know have some stiff competition from those wanting a you know arguably a more powerful um, and and cleaner vehicle. But yeah, so that's um, reservations open up 29 June if you're in the States and uh, sometime 2022 uh, when that becomes available here in Australia. And um, obviously we'll uh, get you more details as it comes through. But I'll touch on a couple more news stories uh, before we sign off for this episode of Auto Catch Up. Um, but we're a bit more performance orientated. But so, firstly, uh, Kia Motors Australia have confirmed that the updated Stinger, which should arrive by the end of the year, um, will be keeping its two liter four cylinder and uh, 3.3 liter V6 engines in Australia compared to the left hand markets um, that will also get the updated Stinger seeing larger 2.5 and 3.5 liter engines, respectively. Um, these new engines are probably going to be seen in the updated Genesis G70 um, and also have been confirmed for the redesigned G80. Um, but again, we haven't really seen if the local spec G70 um, will get that treatment as well. Uh, but those new engines, which we won't see, unfortunately, um, in the G80... Um, from Genesis that actually produce um, 223 kilowatts of power and 421 newton meters of torque from the four-cylinder. And the twin-turbo V6 produces 279 kilowatts of power and 530 newton meters of torque, which, let's be honest, that in a Stinger would be absolutely a massive hoot. Um, whilst it only, you know, it's a, on paper, it's a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit of... Um, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a boost, but obviously it's um, very, very much a, a welcomed one in the world of, uh, you know, if you have the choice between more power and uh, less power, I think most people are going to go for the more power, that's for sure. Um, but apparently we're missing out on those new engines due to cost considerations, um, simply just because we're a part of the right-hand drive minority. Um so that's uh, chalked that one up to another disappointment of um, being right-hand drive versus left-hand drive. Um, but in terms of other bits, we should have a, a new variable exhaust, um, though we might miss out on that as well. Um, that will be remain to see to be seen, but also uh, there should be restyled headlights and taillights, which would be I think welcomed after having the the car after a few years, and also a larger 10.25 inch um, infotainment um, display should be installed to replace the seven and eight inch um, as well, plus a digital instrument cluster. So that should be good. I haven't actually had a chance to drive a Stinger myself. I've seen plenty. Mick has driven, um, driven the Stinger in different variants a few, few different times. So it's, uh, maybe we'll touch up, touch back on this one next week and, uh, see what Mick has to say. But to move on our final bit of news, um, for those who love the Mercedes-AMG GT, I'm definitely one of those people. Uh, Mercedes have revealed the GTR 
Crow. Um, and it's going to be arriving in, in Australia uh, in September. Um, and apparently there's only going to be just 15 of these super models. Um, so there's going to be 750 in total, um, but only 15 coming here to Australia. So probably by the time you're listening to this, most of those are probably going to be spoken for. Um, but if you want to know about pricing, uh, they're going to be starting at 450200 before on-road course, of course. Um, and uh, if you're one about Nürburgring lap times, it is a 704, um, which is six seconds quicker than the regular GTR, which... Yeah, you know, is is quick. It's not record breaking, but it is quick. Um, but what makes this special? Um, so there's been a, a number of uh, of um, tuning and playing around with the setup. So it's lighter and stiffer than any other GT. Um, no engine upgrades though, which is uh, which is interesting. Which shows how much time is uh, hidden in the setup and um, the weight of the car. So there's obviously no shortage of carbon fiber. Um, there's an adjustable torsion bar up front, um, made of carbon fiber. The rear bar is made out of steel, but there's also a carbon fiber shear panel under the rear end to add some stiffness. And um, yeah, so there's a this GTR Pro has a full carbon package, carbon fiber front splitter, rear wing, side mirrors, roof, and carbon fiber finish on the diffuser, and also some other bits uh, on the exterior. You can option, uh, or actually no, correct that. It features a track package um, which has a bolted steel roll cage, two rear braces, and four point safety harnesses for the front seat occupant. So think of this as kind of like if you're buying a GT3 RS, I guess the, the GTR Pro is um is the equivalent if you you know if you're more of a fan of the uh, the Mercedes gang rather than the Stuttgart group. Um, but yeah, so brand new AMG coilover suspension system as well. So it's given a bit more adjustability. Um, so you can actually play around with the compression and the rebound of the dampers without picking up a tool. So that's kind of cool. Um, it should mean uh, less time mucking around on the side of the track and uh, more time being put onto good lap times. Um, but yeah, so... Basically, there's other other raft of things as well. It's a fairly comprehensive list of stuff: um, dynamic engine and transmission, transmission mounts, ceramic high performance compound brakes, um, as well as obviously some uh, some cool colors. Um, the hero car has got a that wonderful like gunmetal grey. They call it selenite grey um, with uh, yeah light green wrap stripes. So it's kind of like that that green highlights are like the ones out of that electric um, SLS concept they did a little while ago. Um, and then to top it off, uh, 20, 20 inch forged wheels, um, which are lightweight and finished in titanium grey. I have to admit, it looks very nice. It looks great. I'm a huge fan of the the long hood, the low slung. It's just a pity they didn't do with uh, gold wings like the SLS and the 300 SL. Um, but yeah, it's gorgeous. Looks great. And I wonder if they're going to do a black series and um, you know take it even further and make it even more extreme 
um, before you know a replacement GT comes. But yeah, just to remind you of some of the specs. So twin turbocharged four liter V eight, um, and four you know that produces four hundred and thirty kilowatts of power, seven hundred new meters of torque, and um, which is the same as the GTR, and um, that puts that power down through a seven speed dual clutch auto. Um, giving you a zero hundred time in three point six, so it's not, you know, if you, I think two point nine seconds is about the the standard for most super high end uh, track orientated cars, but three point six, obviously, is nothing to uh, to sneeze at, and particularly if you, you know, when the aim is to go around corners quickly, it zero to hundred doesn't really matter that much um, compared to other other characteristics. So, yeah, cool things, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, who knows if they're going to do a black series. Imagine how insane that's going to be. But there you go, there you go. That's probably the uh, main bits of news this week. If there's any particular bits of news you'd like us to discuss or um, cards you'd like us to review, let us know. Shows at dailyautofix.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at dailyautofix. And um, next week we'll have uh, Mick and Joel back with us again. Um, And until then, drive safe and, um, yeah, see you then.